Hi, welcome to the diving pod. I'm Mandy Eby. I'm currently the diving coach at Aces Diving in Columbus, Ohio. Um, formerly, I was the head coach of Ohio State Dive Club. Um, before that, the assistant coach at Ohio State Diving Club. Excellent. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And I'm Heath Calhoun. Uh, as always, we just want to say thank you for coming on and uh, our second woman coach. So we're excited to uh, hopefully we can get some more ladies on the podcast here soon. So go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, Mandy, tell us just a little bit where you're at now. You mentioned ACEs and how that kind of came to be. Tell us just about your story and, and kind of how you got there. So before Ohio State Dive Club, before U.S. Elite, because a lot of people probably still remember that, um, there was a club in um, Columbus called ACEs Diving that was started by Jen White. Um, the name is for, at the time, she had four kids, Ashley, Colin, um, Oh man, why am I Emily and Shane? She now has Sarah. So every now and again, we joke that it's aces. With <laughs> um, so she's been her whole life. Um, um, she did actually work for Ohio State Dive Club um, when I was there um, doing our developmental stuff. And um, so last July or so, Ohio State kind of gave us, so just over a year ago, July, gave us the, we don't know what's going on. You're in a holding pattern. We knew we needed to keep something going and we want to make sure we recovered, kids recovered. So we just said easiest thing to do was bring back ACEs. Um, people already knew it. Um, you know, a lot of the people actually that um, have come into the program, Jen coached those kids, you know, those kids' parents. So, I mean, um, it was nice to have something familiar just to bring back and um, then, in January, Ohio State gave us the you know final word that they were not bringing the club back. And, uh, from that, and it was well, this quote: "We uh, when Ohio State shut down, um, not you know that was obviously the premier you know facility in the area. You know, got everything: um, eight billion boards, bubbles, towers, you know, belts, the works." Um, not only were they shut down, but the other um, couple of colleges in the area, uh, Denison and um, Ohio Wesleyan that had three meters, they were not renting. The only um, pool in this, the area of Columbus that had a three meter that was renting was a uh, city pool. They have one one meter, one three meter. They luckily kind of came through, were able to get us um, some time. Um, but because it was a city run pool, anytime there was any sort of a shutdown or, you know, advisory, stay at home, things like that, we got shut down. So during, you know, all of that COVID shutdown, there was a lot of, we'd had no idea we were kind of at the, you know, like a lot of people at the whim of what was going on in local governments as to whether or not we'd be able to practice. Um, we did have access to some, a uh, couple of other pools that had one meters. Um, we traveled to West Virginia to use their facilities. Um, regularly uh, one to two times a month until West Virginia had a shutdown, um, which was December, January, um, February. I think we got back there in March. Um, we went down to Miami of Ohio that pretty much they opened back up for some rentals starting in October. And we were able to go down there um, on Sundays. So for that, you know, that time from September, you know, till March or so, 
Um, there was a lot of, we don't know what we're doing, which was supposed to be, you know, your big, you know, training time prep and stuff, uh, do, you know, getting all your basics, starting to work on things, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we were really changing our, um, schedule like week to week. You know I mean? I kind of joked at one point that we had gone three or weeks without changing our schedules, like new record. Um, in March, or excuse me, in May, we got the word that Denison in Ohio State would begin renting um, on a limited basis. Um, and we're able to get back in there for summer training to prep for regional zones and nationals. Um, and then we are back in Ohio State three days a week right now. The biggest challenge that they are facing, which is keeping us out of the pool um, from, you know, from getting back full time, I should say, is that they just don't have staff. Um, tonight at our practice, we had two full-time staffs there working as lifeguards because they are so short. Um, they weren't allowed to start rehiring lifeguards until, um, school started back up in August. The rehiring process is a slow one at universities. It's not like, Hey, great. You want a job coming board? You know, you've got a ton of paperwork and things like that. So that's where we're still kind of struggling. Um, but you know, I mean, like I said, Jen had started this, you know, thing way back when, and she, she's great with finding all the resources. Um, we've got a great dryland facility. Um, you know, without her, I know that I wouldn't have as many kids still in the program as I did. You know, we, we lost a lot of kids from COVID either, you know, quitting, moving away, graduating, whatever the case may be. But, you know, our numbers are extremely strong. We, we wish we had more pool time because we just can't, you know, we can't provide everything for the amount of interest that we've gotten. And, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that we've been able to move forward and, you know, do as well as we've done and, you know, keep kids, you know, performing at a high level um, that want to perform at a high level, keep kids, you know, learning that want to come in and, you know, get introduced to the sport. You know, it's been, it's been tough, but you know, the fact that we've got so many dedicated divers, dedicated families and, you know, the amount that they've been able to, to endure during this, you know, just shows how much that, you know, they're passionate about it and you kind of inspires you to keep going. Yeah. I had one follow-up question. You talked about kind of the bouncing around, you know, trying to find this pool, trying to go to that pool, going to West Virginia, obviously from the coaching perspective, that was tough for a lot of people to kind of go through something similar, finding any place to train. What was your message to like the, the team? What was your message to the kids? What was your message to the parents? How did they kind of deal with that from that perspective? You know, it was always, you know, just the fact like we've got something like, and if you can make it great, um, and kind of reminding them that the goal was just to keep moving. Like we don't necessarily, we're, we're never going to move as fast as we want to in this situation. There's no way, but let's just keep moving, keep plugging along, you know, every time, you know, something kind of, you know, got slapped in our face, it seemed like at least there was at least another option. It wasn't always a great option, but there was another option. And just remembering that, like we were never fully shut out. Um, we always found a way to keep moving, whether it, you know, there was times where it was just zoom, obviously at the, in the very beginning, um, when we got shut out of the, um, one and three meter pool from about Thanksgiving till the beginning of February, um, another pool in the area got a bubble put over it. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't a great pool, but it was two, one meters and, you know, it was better than nothing. Um, when we, you know, got shut out of another pool, you know, kind of, it was just kind of reminding them, 
we're, we're, we're only done if we want to be. So there's a way to keep moving and it might not be as fast as we want to, but as long as we keep moving, we'll get to where we want to go eventually. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, I actually like, as we're sitting here, I almost feel like you're maybe one of the first coaches we've had on that. We've actually talked about the struggles during COVID. I don't think that's actually been a big subject for us. Um, so it's kind of nice to hear that and kind of like the thing you said, you're like, just keep moving. Like having a place is better than not having a place and coming up with something. And, uh, I think a lot of coaches that are listening will be able to relate to that. Um, moving forward, you know, something I'm interested in is like, who are some of the role models that helped shape the, the person and the coach you are now? Um, and then you're obviously doing that for other young ones at this point in time, but wh- how would you uh, answer that? Um, well, I've been extremely fortunate in my diving career, um, to be around some pretty amazing coaches. Um, I grew up a Kimball diver, um, while being a Kimball diver, we were also being coached by a ton of the amazing athletes that were running through, you know, being trained by Kimball, um, Koki Huffman that is in charge of our, um, judges program, you know, that was you know, she was right there training in front of me. Uh, Lee Michaud, our uh, USA diving president was one of my coaches used to pull me in belts, um, just about daily. Um, obviously Kimball himself, um, his daughter, Vicky, um, huge, you know, Vicky was a huge person in my life. Um, a lot of push and pull between the two of us, kind of similar personalities at times. So sometimes more push than pull, but, uh, and, you know, then I went on to college to dive uh, at the University of Arizona with Ms. Michelle Mitchell. Um, you know, at the time she was married to um, Jose. It was another great coach. Um, after um, college, um, I moved back home and started, you know, coaching around wherever and um, coached with Chris when he started his program up at um, University of Michigan, then moved over to Eastern Michigan and coach Buck Smith, who has definitely been a huge of a guy Buck is. Um, and he's, he probably shaped me the most as a coach. Um, I've always really trusted everything that he's done and the way he's gone about it. And um, we're very similar to, and the, we're going to tell you what we're thinking and how we feel. And we're not really going to throw a bunch of like rainbows at you. We're going to just shoot it like it is. Um, you know, and then, you know, after Buck, I, uh, um, had a short time in Cincinnati and the coaches I worked with there were, um, great, um, Andrew Campbell, who was a, uh, age group diver when I was an age group diver for, um, he was with the Cincinnati Stingrays and dove for Charlie Casuto. So, you know, I mean, you can get a bunch of stuff from him. And then, you know, went to Ohio State and got to work with John Appleman, um, who everybody knows is a phenomenal age group coach, senior level coach. You know, I mean, he's done it all. Um, we got along really well. He's, you know, taught me a ton. So I, I feel extraordinarily grateful for the, the like unheard of path that I've had. I mean, every stop that I've been at, I've had access to um, a coach that has, you know, been able to help me and has, you know, proven time and time again how, how great they are. And, you know, in my role now, or I should say when I was, became the head coach at Ohio State, um, I had a lot of good coaches too that lean on and those, you know, those people. And then additionally, people that I, you know, met along the way. Um, Stephanie Sutton's been a great and uh, 
person to, to chat with whenever I need some help. Um, Sean McCarthy, um, we worked very closely this year. I had a diver that um, kind of went back and forth between my club and his club this year so that we could keep him um, training toward his goals. That's the one who made uh, Junior Worlds. And, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many other great ones out there. Um, so I've just been in really good situations. done a good job of kind of coach that I can't. Heath, how's the audio over there cutting in and out a little bit for me? Yeah. So I lost you right whenever you said you came from, you've had a good situation through like after you talked about your junior worlds diver. Sorry. I was trying to get you a little bit better. It's probably my Wi-Fi. I mean, like was in like the weird zone. <laughs> it's okay. uh, oh, that's, that's much better right now. I, I just wanted to make sure we didn't miss anything. This is all good <laughs> stuff. I'm also trying to hide from my children because they'll, they'll, uh, they'll come in hot and, <laughs> and heavy and take over <laughs> if they're allowed to. So um, I was just saying like Sean McCarthy was a really good person to lean on this year. Gave me a lot of advice. Um, was able to bounce a lot of ideas um, from him this year. So awesome. Perfect. Yeah. And Mandy, we've had a couple of conversations of things you're passionate about as we were prepping for this podcast. Uh, one of those big ones was women in diving. Uh, I was someone who was coached by all women, my high school coach, I had two different college coaches. They were all women. Can you just kind of expand on, on those things? Things like, you know, raising little ones at home while you're coaching, um, you know, returning later at a, at a different point. How do you prioritize that kind of aspect? Cause it's definitely different for, for the women than it is for the men coaches that we have. It's way different. Um, I mean, I'm, super, super, super lucky to have such a supportive husband. Um, when I was interviewing to take the assistant job at Ohio state, um, my whole family actually was coming up for a soccer tournament for my, at least my oldest. I'm not sure if it was my oldest and my second oldest, but I know we had a soccer tournament in Columbus. So it kind of timing worked out and we're trying to get everybody just together in the hotel and you know it's total chaos and I'm stressed about what just went down with the you know um the interview feeling like I had a pretty good shot at the job and just you know kind of burst out to my husband of like we can't do this I can't take this job and it was you know kind of my dream job um and you know kind of having that moment of like I can't do this my husband just kind of laughed at me he's like why not and I'm like look like we're like we haven't even done this and like it's insanity and he's like he's like it won't get done the way you want it to get done but we can do it like we will we'll figure it out and so I mean that's kind of the way our relationship has always been we always joke that we're tag team parents you know he travels for a living I obviously have had to travel more and more um as I've you know taken on more responsibilities as coaching and we just kind of figure it out um who you know who's in charge of what and this and that but you know when I when I get on a pool deck there's very few people that I can look around and go they get it because I never stopped coaching um when I had my first he was on the pool deck with me when I had my second he was on the pool deck with me my third on the pool deck with me my fourth on the pool deck with me actually my fourth was on the pool deck with me within actually third and fourth were both on the pool deck within a within a week um I, oh my gosh 
people that like oh or don't joke but they're like oh six weeks of maternity leave's not enough and I'm like I I don't know what maternity leave is like I was back in the pool deck immediately I'm like uh and you know I mean again I just thanks to my husband, thanks to my village, you know, but when I look around on the pool deck, there's just not that many that that have done that. Um, You know, I see a little bit of it happening now, but, you know, um, Susan Bromberg has been a huge mentor to me because that she's done it. She did stay coaching. She's coached college. She coaches clubs. She's, you know, developed some phenomenal divers and she did it while raising a family. Um, so she's somebody that I talk to on a regular basis when I kind of need that, like, good, like, come on, (laughs) how do I keep going moment? Um, but you know, for the most part, you look around, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to get on deck, um, for Olympic trials this year to help, uh, John Appleman out with his divers. Some, um, you know, had COVID not happened, I would have been there with three athletes myself. Um, so it was nice that I was able to get there, but when I sit and look around there, there's no women and the ones that are there for the most part, their kids are grown and off and I'm still, you know, got four at home. And, you know, this year of COVID at one point when I was still was working for Ohio state, but the club wasn't going, I was essentially working three jobs. I was um, homeschool teacher two to three days a week when my kids were in hybrid um, the days they were in school, I was had to go into Ohio State to work odd jobs, whatever they needed me to do, because I was still a full-time employee. And then I had to figure out how to keep coaching, you know, the 20 to 30 kids that I still had and travel around wherever we had to travel. And I, there were very few people who could really relate to that. Um, and especially, you know, the men really couldn't get it. And, you know, that's not their fault. Um, it's just the society, you know, the way that we live, you know, um, you know, I mean, my husband is the breadwinner and always will be the breadwinner. Um, so he's been supportive and I am able to do everything that I want to do, but you know, we have to have that, you know, every now and again, I have to figure out how to make it work because he's got his stuff going on. Um, and you know, the men don't understand that necessarily. Um, yeah. So we, I had a, a, another question here. We had Lindsay from Yale on, she was our first woman on the podcast. She used a term and this is her term, not my term. She said mom guilt. And what she was referring to was, you know, you, you see all your divers frequently, you're, you're coaching them, uh, you know, a, a lot of the time. And then you come home and, and you get your kids for that amount of time. And she, she said the struggle sometimes is like, man, I just, I, I want to see my, my own kids more. I see all these other families, kids all the time on the pool deck. I want to see my own kids more. Is there any of that? Is there any way that we can, I don't even know where I really am going with this, but what is that like? Cause Heath and I are both so young. We don't have any kids. We don't have any family quite yet, but at the same time, we all love this crazy thing called diving and it, it takes us away from probably our, our, our real jobs. I know Heath is a full-time diving coach, but I have a real job and I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. I don't know how you balance all of it. It's incredible. I, I mean, for me, I, I completely understand the mom guilt. Um, I also have like diver mom guilt. Like I, you know, sometimes I feel bad if I'm 
picking my family over my diver. Sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, it's bad if I'm picking my divers over my family, like it works both ways. How can I possibly, you know, run the team and do everything that I need to be doing while I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, get kids to soccer practice. And, you know, most of the time it's not me getting them anywhere. It's me coordinating the rides, you know, on, you know, I'm on, text change we have you know i mean we have a babysitter that comes every day but she's basically a driver for the younger ones um you know once my oldest became um mobile he can drive like it was a great thing but it also meant man i didn't see him before like now i really don't see him you know uh i definitely see my divers more than i see or than i see my own kids um a lot of times you know when i got back from nationals the first thing out of my daughter's mouth is when and do you have to travel next? You know, huge relief from her when I say I don't have to travel for a couple of months. She's like, oh, my God, really? And like, yeah. So, you know, um, I get it. I don't know. I don't know how to, how to even begin. You know, I get a lot of like, how do you do it? How do you do it? And all I ever say to everybody is we've all got our own thing. And it's never easy for any of us. But we all have to figure it out. You know, people are like, oh, my gosh, you have four kids. And I'm like, well you have one or you have none, or you've got, you know, health issues, or you've got parents that you have to take care of, or you've got, you know, whatever the case may be, we've all got our own stuff. Like, um, and we all figure out how to make it work. I don't think anybody has it necessarily easier than, than the other, because, you know, we're just looking from the outside in, like, if you're really put into somebody's shoes, then, you know, you see their struggles and, you know, we just made work and you know there's the day down because you feel like you're screwing up your kids or your divers or both <laughs> usually I feel like I'm screwing them both up so you know but I talk to my kids about my divers a lot um they know their names um they've been on the pool deck so they you know when they have they interact with them I want them to interact with them um I'll show them videos you know when um Olympic trials was on TV I was home um with them during the week for it you know I'm pointing out who the kids are and who the coaches are and how I know them interactions that I've had um, um you know I mean I was fortunate Jordan Rosepko who can be somewhat of a celebrity himself and you know to kind of show my kids like like who he is and they're like oh my gosh I've seen him on TikTok <laughs> like <laughs> so um I had sent uh Cassidy Cook a message after trials and my daughter was like you're friends with somebody who's verified on Instagram like maybe <laughs> the coolest person on the planet she saw that she's like there's a check mark they're verified and they sent you a message like, so I mean I try to connect our worlds a little bit so they understand you know that I'm this is something I'm passionate about um when we did make the move to Columbus from Cincinnati I did ask my oldest like if he hated me because he was, you know, he was in fifth grade. He, you know, really kind of understood what it meant to be leaving his friends and all of that. And he just turned to me and said, how can I hate you, mom? You're following your dream. Like, and I wow. just, I just remember that, like, I'm showing my kids that I'm following my passion. I'm doing what is important to me. I wouldn't keep doing this if I didn't have dedicated divers and families that have, you know, supported me you know, in this past year and, you know, before, obviously, but, you know, and, and you can show your kids, you know, the importance of following your dream and your passion and, you know, doing what you, you what you love and what you care about, like that, you know, that, that carries some weight when you miss out on a soccer game or you miss out on, 
you know, a school project or whatever it might be, you know, it doesn't replace it. It doesn't, you know, you're still going to have that mom guilt, but that's some pretty, that's impressive perspective from a fifth grader. That's, that's amazing. I have a pretty awesome, uh, kid. So, I mean, all my kids are pretty awesome in their own unique ways, but he's, uh, he, he definitely hit, hit it in there with that. That's awesome. So, um, you know, so as I was like going through the day today, I'm like trying to think of, of things that just with this podcast that seem to stick out to me. And, um, it kind of leads into the next question of, you know, we've talked about before pretty divers over power divers and, and what do you prefer and, and who do you like to coach? But it also had me, you know, I really thought a lot about what we talked about on Instagram about women in diving, women in diving, and especially in coaching. And I'm like, the more I think about it, the more bizarre it kind of does strike me a little bit because I would say, I mean, maybe I'm stereotyping a little bit, but on average, I would say typically women have a little bit better technique than men. Like they are way more prettier to watch dive. And I feel as though if we had more women in coaching, maybe we, and it'll lead to a question later on in the podcast, but it's like, I feel like we would end up having more technically proficient and maybe prettier divers in the long run. Um, but kind of segueing into the next question, um, you know, we've talked about it pretty versus power, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you like to see? What do you like to coach? I am definitely pretty over power. Um, you know, they've got, what is it like grace guts glory or something like that for USA diving. Um, I always say that I want to see the grace over the strength. Um, I never want to dive to look difficult. Um, I want to see it flow. Um, I get very frustrated watching, um, in particular, um, men's three meter diving because I, I just don't see it very much. And when I do, I'm just super excited because the men can be beautiful. They can be graceful. They can really make it flow. But, and I understand like, they can do the big dives now. And sometimes the way that they're able to, you know, accomplish the big dives, you know, well is by, you know, some strength in there and they can all be made, you know, to just flow down the board um, the way I'd like them to. But those are, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I coach is I want, I want to see those, those things. I don't want to just see you power through something. I want to see how you can move through it. Um, Coaching here at Ohio State, I was lucky enough to coach um, Noah Dupere, who's at Texas now. And I just, I'm just in awe of him all the time because when I break down his stuff, when I can see that like he is trying to power through, it it was never apparent. Like you could just always see how pretty the dive either was or was going to be when he did start to figure it out. Um, There wasn't very many times where he looked ugly um even when he was doing some things that were kind of ugly um right now um i have a diver who's just was born to to dive he's just absolutely beautiful he walked into our pool and could do the splits in all three directions he's got a toe point to the floor and that was with zero gymnastics zero dance just he was made that way and it's Every time, like he gets down on himself, he's like, you know, we're trying to rework some stuff on his connections right now, and he's like, "Oh, my tuck is so ugly," and I'm like, "Oh, stop! Like your ugly is still ten times prettier than most people's." So, um, 
you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for is, you know, when something doesn't look right to me, you know, finding that correction is like, where does it look like they're starting to struggle? Where does it look like they're trying to, you know, pull something or push something or, you know, the timing's off because they're, you know, trying to power it. Um, so I definitely want to, I just want to see it flow. And actually, I wish there was more focus on that from outside aspects, whether it be dance or yoga or whatever. Um, I actually picked up yoga when I moved here and I told my yoga instructor once that it was the first time I truly felt graceful was, you know, being in her class for several years and getting away from trying to do everything so perfect, but just trying to move through each movement. Cause when I was diving, it was trying to, you know, get the dive and do this. I never focused on, you know, making it pretty. Um, and I don't think I was an ugly diver or a pretty diver. I'm sure I had, you know, a little bit of both here or there. Um, but it's, you know, that was one thing that I kind of took away from going into yoga was, you know, there's a way to move um, and, and to look graceful and be extraordinarily powerful because that, that's kind of how yoga is. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so, go ahead, Keith. Oh, go ahead. So I actually just had a follow-up question. You know, I, as you're speaking and it sounds like you kind of went through this, you know, I'm thinking of like one, one of my college divers, it's a young lady and she might be the strongest person on our team. Like you see her in the weight room and she might lift more than the men. And that's like the big challenge that I'm having. I was actually talking to Aaron about it before you jumped on. She's so strong. She can do all these dives, you know? So what is some advice you would give to coaches out there that maybe do have those strong divers? What would you focus on, you know, over a time period to develop that grace, that flow? Um, I feel like, especially if you get a diver that's strong when they're young, there's that urge to kind of push them too quickly. Like, oh, good. Like, look how strong they are. Like, we can start, you know, doing this, that and whatever. Like now we don't have to wait because they're powerful enough. And a lot of those kids, then I see them go through, you know, um, you know, those growing years and whatnot. And they're still trying to just power through everything instead of just learning how to use the board, Um, you know use spotting, use timing, use. So, I mean, we spend a lot of time on skills, um, a lot of time on spotting, a lot of time on just finding a rhythm with the board. Um, you know, I mean, I've got a couple of kids that all they want to do is as soon as their feet touch the board, they want to push it. And you're like, no, 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 you got to try and stay on the board. And, you know, so there'll be times where I'm like, you just have to do 10 bounces. Like, can you stay there for 10? Um, so finding a way to, get them to start connecting with the way the board moves, um, connecting with the way that their body's moving once it's in the air so that it's not just about how do I, you know, get as much height and get as fast as I can, but how did that actually work? Did that actually work? Um, you know, breaking some, you know, I mean, a lot of coaches know break it down as much as you can, but, you know, find that spot where they do want to get powerful and how can you get them to relax and loosen up so they can feel that sometimes the power comes from relaxing and being a little bit more loose at a moment than just being strong and tight and you know using every muscle at the wrong moment i had a um (laughs) yeah no no that's great i had a an interesting (laughs) one i I contacted a couple of coaches from the podcast that we talked to i have a very very young girl and and I coached the middle school team with the high school team um, just at different times. And I, I asked them, hey, what do I do? She knows nothing. She's simply got 
the body type. She listens very well. She's very communicative. That's all I have. We're, we're starting from zero. What would you do? One of the things that, that uh, one of the coaches said, he said, make sure you're doing the basics as perfect as you possibly can before you do anything else. He said, when you take a test and you get a four out of 10, it doesn't matter how hard the test was. You got four out of 10. It's a 40%. That's, that's an F. And he said, if the test was a lot easier and you're doing a lot more of the basics right away and you're getting seven and a half or eight or nine out of 10, he says, you're setting yourself up for so much more success down the road. And it just kind of like struck a nerve and it just seemed like something that I would hear you say if I asked that same question to you. So. Oh, definitely. I completely agree. Like I've got a group of kids right now that are new to me, but they've all dived to some extent, you know, summer club, whatever. Um, they got a lot of, you know, talent in there and ability. And I've, I'm taking about a month or so, um, maybe a couple where we're just right now, just going to try to get all of their Oh ones, um, on one meter and three meter, um, O2s on, on one meter, you know, maybe, you know, throwing a, you know, front one and a half or whatever for one and three, but you know, nothing more than that. We're just, and it's just getting them off right now. And then it's going to be pull it back and drill dive drill, you know, like focus, you know, whether it's a side of the pool drill, whether it's a dry land drill, whether it's a, you know, conditioning drill, whatever it might be, and then apply it to the dive, things like that. Because as a lot of, divers that are, you know, older and, you know, more into their career will probably talk to you too. I wish I'd on this. I wish I'd were on that. And it's usually something as basic as a come out, um, a jump um, thing, you know, things that took them out of their comfort zone, maybe, but it's not usually, man, I really wish I, you know, been spinning more when I was little, like, it's usually, man, my, my come out's terrible. Like my, my, my balance is awful. So I can focus on those, those basics in the beginning, you know, the better. I mean, I've, 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 my job has always been to develop those things and pass it along to the next person. Um, whether it's been as an assistant coach, my assistant coach was make my divers as good as I could. So the head coach wanted them. If I'm the head coach, make my divers as good as I can. So that the top college coach coaches want them. And, you know, ultimately those coaches above me don't want to fix that stuff. So if I can focus on that now, it makes their job easier. And they also know I'm not cutting corners. They know they're not going to have to go back to those things. So and that's kind of how I viewed it is the more I can fix all the less somebody's got to deal with down the road and they can, you know, catch the diver when they're really supposed to be hitting their. So, yeah. Very good. Um, so team connections and relationship with your athletes is huge. What are things that you do to develop those connections? I know that was a, another talking point that you were very passionate about. So my ultimate goal, I kind of got figured this out. So to say, I took a um, course through the USOPC a few years ago, the coaches accelerated program, and they did this, um, exercise with us where they gave us, you know, like a hundred or so words, different, like morals, beliefs. Oh my God, this list is huge. And you know, they're like, all right, now take it down to five. And you're like, but I can't, I, like it was hard enough to get down to 10. Like, 
and so on and so forth. And you eventually get down to one. What can you throw away and what above anything is the most important to you? And the word that I, I stuck with and continue to stick with is trust. Um, it means it matters more to me in my life than anything to create trust between another person. Um, so I want them to trust me. I want to trust them. Um, so, and as I kind of recognize this, I've kind of recognized a lot of how my coaching has been going over the past, you know, 20 years of doing it. And that this isn't something that's new. It was just the first time I actually realized that's what it was coming from. So, um, and I've always said that my greatest asset as a coach is I work well with a lot of different personalities. Um, I'm not looking for one particular personality type over another. Um, I know some are like, well, I only work with type of person, type of person I can work with this or that. And obviously I work better with some than others. Um, I will be the first to tell you I'm not the right coach for everybody. There's no way one coach is the right coach for everybody. It's just not the way we are. Um, but I will do everything to figure out how to connect with a kid, um, talking with them, um, talking with them about, you know, what's going on in their lives. If they want to talk about that, talk about what's going on when they're, you know, in the middle of a practice, um, what they're ultimately looking for when they're getting out of diving. Um, it doesn't matter if they should be a national and if all they get out is to move at their own pace. Um, so having those conversations, I think is the most important thing. And then figuring out how to be their guide after that. Um, I don't want to just sit there and, you know, tell kids what to do. I want them to figure out how it's going to work for them. Um, so, you know, I mean, I always tell the kids like, yeah, I've, I've got a workout written for you. I put a lot of effort into it, but if you think you need to do something a little different, come have a conversation with me about it. Doesn't mean I'm always going to say yes, you know, but at least I can see where you're coming from. We can maybe make an adjustment to that workout, or I then know down the road, if we're not going to do it, that workout, some you can plug in in the future and you know, telling the kids like the goal here is for you to trust me because you're I'm asking you to throw yourself off a three-story building sometimes and if you don't trust me like this isn't going to work um you know kids you know telling me no I know I know I'm going to hit the board I know I'm going to hit the board and saying well if you don't want to listen to me and you don't want to trust what I'm telling you and the things that I've been teaching with you then we're not going to be able to move forward and trying to, you know, figure out how to go, get through a barrier like that. You know, some kids are easier than others. Um, but, you know, I think the success that I've had has been the fact that I'm not just going to push a kid through to push a kid through. Like I'm going to figure out how to, you know, learn from, you know, the way that they work and they can learn from the way that I work so that we can, you know, hopefully move together um, in the direction that they're looking to move. And, I also talk to the kids about this in front of each other. Like it's, you know, we do have some one-on-one -on -one conversations, but these are team conversations we have and, you know, making sure that the kids know that it's just as important for them to talk to each other. You know, if they don't like, you know, being cheered on when it's time for them to do a new dive, they need to let the kid, the other kids know, like, no, don't stop. Like, I don't want anybody, no eyes on me. Like, let's keep moving or others going, man, I really like working with this kid because they work really quick and it makes me work quick. And, you know, we had that conversation tonight of, you know, 
you know, what could you have done better to get through your workout tonight? And then, you know, sharing what they could do and the kids that didn't have great workouts sharing with, you know, Hey, they, they were the ones to raise their hand and go, no, I didn't do as much as I could have done today. And I know why, and you know, this, this would help in the future. And so, I mean, I think it not only the one-on-one, but creating the trust within the team is just as important too. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, all that just sounds spot on for, kind of how Rooney and I like to approach things with just trust with our athletes. Like you said, like you're, you, especially coaching tower, you're asking someone to jump off a three-story building. If they don't trust that you're going to have them on that call, then right. you might not get very far in this, in this uh, profession. <laughs> um, so kind of segueing into our next question. So Aaron and I probably for maybe since July, since zones have kind of been talking about this, this concept of trainer versus coach. Um, and, and our logic on it, we've kind of talked and we kind of keep developing it. And I think we're just going to try to start asking some coaches is like a coach is somebody who is developing that skill from zero. And a trainer is someone like you had said, maybe where you're take, you've taken somebody who is elite, you know, whether that's Jordan Rezepka, Noah DePere, who they're so good. And like, it's like, don't mess it up now. It's like, just keep developing them as opposed to really reteaching. Hopefully we're not having to do that a ton. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you see yourself falling? Cause it's definitely on a continuum. It's a scale. It's not one or the other. Right. Um, so what's your thoughts? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely back and forth on it. You know I mean? I, I can definitely relate to the like, Oh gosh, don't screw them up. Just keep moving forward. Because when John Appleman left, <laughs> And I was handed Jordan, Noah, uh, Jack Matthews. It was like, oh my, oh God, like, what am I going to do? Like, these kids are so great. I just don't want to screw them up. And, you know, then it, it, it goes back to, all right, you know, find the little thing. You know, I mean, you got kids that talented, you know, it's not about a big thing for them. It's, you know, finding a little thing. Um, but, you know, but I, then I've got this new group of kids where right now it's all big <laughs> can't look at any of the little stuff right now it's like just get off the board you know i mean yeah. you know that's right now i'm just trying to get that group just to trust me i mean it was the same though with those elite divers is you know gotta go back to trust is trying to figure out a way to get the kids to trust you and then figuring out whether or not you need to be you know i think of it more as as a guide i guess than a trainer but yeah or a coach um yeah this kid that I'm working with now, like, I, I think people would be astounded at the fact that at nationals, he never practiced a full practice during our warm-up time. You know, people were going nuts going, we don't have enough time and this is busy. He never once did a full practice. It was all about just managing his energy, um, keeping him, you know, on the game plan, doing enough to keep him moving and the kid killed it, you know, I mean, qualified for junior worlds on two boards and it wasn't about, you know, doing all the dives and, you know, fixing everything. And, you know, it was just, we had a game plan and stick to it. Don't veer off of it. And when it goes a little off course, just remember to, you know, step back on course and it'll be fine. And, but at the same time, like with the same kid, when he walked on our pool deck, um, four years ago, he didn't have any coaching experience. So there's still times where I have to go back and, you know, be a coach with them and figure out how to fix a lot of stuff. And then there's times where you gotta, you know, kind of flip the switch and, you know, be that trainer. I think I would prefer to just give me like the kid and 
um, tell me all the stuff you want to fix or, you know, work on. And then, you know, whoever is working with me or ahead of me or whatever, then they say, all right, now we're ready for meets. And I go, all right, here you go. You go clean them up and give me the next batch to work with. Like um, this year of COVID kind of really solidified that like I am 100% fine being in the shadows. I have no need for recognition. Um, I've never needed it. Um, for the most part, if I'm out there, I just feel like I'm a failure anyway. So the more I can stay back in the shadows and let everybody else take all the glory, the better, like, and I'll, and you can throw all the failure at me too. Like I have no problem. I, I toss it on myself all the time. So one more person saying I'm no good, it's nothing to me. Like I already thought it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm not supposed to say that, um, Stephanie Sutton would kick my butt, um, for telling everybody in the world that I think I'm a failure, but I do. Um, I constantly second guess myself. I'd much rather just sit back and, um, be, a, you know, either a specialized coach where you tell me I've just got to work on hurdles with somebody or, you know, Hey, just get, you know, kids spinning and work on that. Give me a focus to work on with, with the group and, and nail that, you know, as best I can and then pass it along to the next person. So, um, I don't, I, I really have no need to go to a meet ever again <laughs> in some respects, but, um, it's, I told you you'd get honestly from me. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. Like, you know, you, you, you reiterate a lot of the things that one, either I've told my athlete, you know, the two things that I, I tell my athletes now are one, they, we always do goals at the beginning of the year and, and it's become more common for the kids actually to ask me what my goal is. And my response is always the same. I'm like, my goal is that you all accomplish what you want and no one knows my name. <laughs> and, and so I tell them, I'm like, it's about them. Like, you know, Aaron and I and yourself, like we had our time where it was about us. And now it's all about these student athletes. Um, and the other thing is I told the kids we had an inner squad meet and I said, Hey, if this takes any pressure off you, all you, all you need to know is this, if you dive well, it's all your fault. If you dive bad, it's all my fault. And they're like, <laughs> Oh, all right. Like that takes a lot of pressure off of us. And, and you know that, and some of those kids, they get it. And I, you could see it. It's like, Oh, like, I told him, I was like, if you dive bad, like I'm always going to take the blame. I was like, I didn't prepare you well enough. So it's kind of nice to hear you kind of say those things, but yeah, I don't think anybody that's listening to this is going to think you suck, especially knowing like what you're doing and the, the challenges that you have battled through in the last 18 months is incredible. So don't definitely don't think that. And Steph Sutton definitely will kick the crap out of everybody. <laughs> well, she definitely will. <laughs> I, I was thinking uh, it might be a little bit hard on yourself over there, Mandy. I've enjoyed our conversation thus far, but um, we're just, we're just going to double down and we're going to keep talking about failure. My <laughs> signature question is for always and ever will be, what is your favorite failure or just your best learning experience? You know, I, I, I saw that you had that question and I have absolutely no idea. And it's probably because I think I'm failing all the time. So, <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I sitting there, you know, yapping in my divers faces tonight, you know, um, kid, you know, struggle, you know, a couple kids struggling with whatever it might be and going, you know, where are you going to learn from? You're going to learn from your failures. Like, and so you know, I guess it's not that I have a fa favorite failure. It's more that I'd gotten comfortable with failure. Um, you know, I definitely spent a great deal, 
deal of my younger years um, and into my you know early twenties, just constantly being afraid to fail. Um, being and I still have times where I'm afraid to let people down, but I'm not as necessarily afraid to fail. And so I think just kind of finally getting comfortable with, yeah, like I think I fail all the time. Well, maybe I should be comfortable with that and learn from it instead of worrying about failing. Sure. Um, um, you know, I mean, I definitely, in terms of like diving failures, I remember very vividly slipping out of front three and a half um, in the middle of senior zones um, at Sutler's Cabin in, uh, um, in Pittsburgh there, landing completely flat, 100% flat, failing the dive, had an asthma attack, bloody nose, and, you know, Kimball's oh like, all right, well, you got two more dives left, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, and going like, hey, I beat somebody. Like, I remember beating somebody. Like, so, I mean, I have those moments of like, yeah, I, I can remember landing compl- completely flat. You know, I mean, every time a kid's afraid of, uh, you know, hitting the, the platform on an inward, I'm like, man, I can't even count the amount of times that I hit my feet on inwards. Um, used to smash my heels on the on the platform. and But I was too dense to realize that I hit it until I was underwater. So I was usually okay. So... <laughs> Wow. Wild. All right. Well, next one, then um, we asked everybody who's kind of uh, in the USA diving uh, world, what is something that we could improve with USA diving, either as a, a country in general, or just like a suggestion to USA diving to just kind of continue to Im- make improvements. We had a great conversation with Lee Mashad last week. Um, he, he sounds so receptive to all kinds of different ideas and, and things like that. Junior development. I mean, obviously I'm a junior coach. It's more of my passion, but I mean, the hardest coach to find out there, every, I swear, every coach has asked me like, where do you find that developmental coach? Um, you know, that wants to work with, you know, the little ones that wants to, you know, do the basics, but also knows how to make it fun. Cause I mean, I know how to coach the basics. I know how to do it and make it fun it's not normal house so it takes a ton of energy out of me it's not a great for me to do it day in day out um and i mean finding those coaches because those are the ones that we need we need you know the ones that are gonna you know develop the talent young because like you said do the basic skills perfect you know and if we don't have more funding for junior coaches I mean, we're the most important coaches and we get paid the least and we're the first to get axed and, you know, things like that, you know, like, and, you know, no offense to um, commentators uh, during Olympic trials, but a little frustrating when you sit there and listen to them and they give all the credit to the college coaches. It was literally said, blank coach has done such a great job of teaching these kids how to flip and twist and everything. <laughs> oh, really? The, the, the college coach taught them how to flip and twist. Pretty sure that college coach not recruiting that kid if they don't know how to flip and twist. That kid was developed by, you know, a handful, most likely, of junior coaches. Yeah. And yes, they have, a, you know, and probably have a ton of natural talent. But I mean, it's, it's really frustrating. It's, you know, it is insulting that the most important coach is given the least amount of credit, the least amount of funding, the least amount of resources. 
but yet we expect to, you know, produce, you know, Olympic medal medalists, you know. Yeah. But yeah, there's it's a good point. It's a really good point. <laughs> um, I was I was a little frustrated too, just watching the amount of young divers there at um the Olympic trials. And, you know, they like to do their little spotlights about, you know, backstories here or there. And I think USA diving missed their shot there to grab, you know, those handful of junior coaches that were there and do a little spotlight on them. Like look at, you know, John Fox at Moss farms, look at Jen Hess out in Colorado, um, Steph Sutton at DDC. I mean, you have divers there, that were being made by junior coaches and you had junior coaches there more. So I think the normal, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure it was my first time being on deck. And no, maybe they're actually a uh, coach and another one pretty darn close snip. Josh had, you know, opportunity to get more kids on board in the sport to promote the coaches that are breaking their backs um coaches like me that were traveling and putting in god knows how many hours just trying to find pool time trying to figure out how to keep kids interested in the sport um there was a huge drop off in um, the younger age always have you know, groups that are usually small easier because we couldn't get more little kids through the door with COVID. You know, I mean, it was hard. You just had to develop the kids that were already in the program and hope that they didn't leave, you know, I mean, so more, more for the juniors. Yeah. I, Education, you know, funding, whatever. Yeah. I think almost to reiterate, I think you kind of, you cut out there for a second, but I think what you were saying was that they just missed a golden opportunity to spotlight so many club teams, which would have not only helped those individual club teams, not only given recognition to the coaches that did develop these athletes, but also it would have really helped the sport. Like if someone says, Hey, ACE is diving, uh, you know, Jordan Rezepka started out there, formerly Ohio state dive club. Like may, you know, if it's not COVID, like maybe you get, you know, an an increase in people, 20%, whatever it might be. And that can help our sport get more kids involved. So I actually think Aaron and I even mentioned that on our Olympic trials review where we're like, man, it's such a golden opportunity to spotlight clubs, coaches, let people know where they're from. Like you said, if you're, if you're in the Moultrie, Georgia era area, like go talk to John Fox. If you're in the Columbus area, go talk to Mandy. You know, I think it, it, we really miss an opportunity to help help out our juniors, just get more people in the sport. Yep. Um, but so, so kind of moving on to the last three here is, uh, you know, what is your favorite drill to do with your athletes, whether it's dry land or water? Um, I, it's, I'd like pushing kids out of their comfort zone. So, um, doing, um, particularly on backs, doing an arms up last bounce. So they'll do a double bounce and that second bounce, they've got to keep their arms up. Um, they all kind of always look at me sideways, like, wait, what? And, but time in time out, they immediately feel how they want to use their shoulders or dropping their heels or whatever it might be. Um, and then, you know, so that's always a fun one for me to do. And then I, I just enjoy when the kids can come up to me and go, what about this? Like, and we try something out and it works and we get to, you know, use it for them or other kids. So 
Um, I'm always looking for new drills. So if you guys got any, just let me know. Um, so really my favorite drill is the new drill that you give me that'll help fix something that I haven't been able to fix. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, I think where we're at and that's what prompted these questions is like, yeah, like we, I've, I've used some of Dave McCown's drills he's mentioned with the mat and front, front twisting. And it, and it really helped a lot of my kids. So pretty much like tomorrow morning at our morning practice, uh, my athletes are going to be trying arms up on the last bounce for two bounce backs. They're not going to like it at 6 a.m., but it'll be funny. <laughs> um, you know, what's the best advice you've either given, received? It could be coaching specific, life specific, however you'd like to answer it. Um, I don't know. I've been given so much advice. I guess, you know, really is the like, you know, stop, you know, questioning yourself and, and trusting yourself, um, you know, that there are people that do want to help each other in this sport. You know, I think a lot of times we feel like we're, you know, out on an island, but as you've, you guys have proven through this uh, podcast, like really more of us want to help than not. And oh, yeah. so, you know, it's okay to seek out help, you know, I mean, obviously in life and diving, like it's, it's really, you know, remembering that, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, asking for help is stronger than trying to be strong on your own. Um, so just trying to remember those things and applying them when I do put myself out an island, cause I'm pretty good at doing that. And just continuing to remind myself that I do have good resources. As I've mentioned, I've had a great, you know, career here of being around phenomenal coaches and reaching out to them when I need them. So whether it be for, you know, that supportive ear or kick in the butt or a new drill or just, you know, man, what am I missing on this dive? You know? Yeah. I, I think uh, we, we talked about that right before you jumped on with us. I said, you know, I've started trying to take a video every practice to send to like another coach, like not just Aaron. Cause I'm like, I don't care if I look stupid, <laughs> if it's going to help my athlete be better, who cares? And so I've really tried to like put myself out there and not feel dumb about that stuff. Um, I'm a little biased. I think the best like advice you've ever gotten in your life was that fifth grader saying, how can I be mad at you, mom? You're chasing your dream. I think that's like the <laughs> best thing ever. <laughs> that was pretty but, good too. So, yeah. um, um, and then my, my last question. Well, I, I, uh, I will also oh, say, like I tell oh. my divers all the care all the time. I don't care who gives you the correction, who makes it right. Like, just whatever clicks for you. If it's another diver, if it's another coach, you know, if they go work with another coach, I'm like, what did they say? Like, yep. how did they say it? I don't care. Like, Oh, they said the same thing. Great. Wonderful. Glad it clicked for them. I just want them to figure it out. So again, I don't yep. need the credit as long as yep. they're moving forward and I'll credit whoever did, you know, fix it for me. So. Yep. And I, and I feel confident. It's probably, even though they'll go work with someone like Aaron and Aaron will tell them probably the same thing you've been telling them for six months, but for some reason it came out of his mouth and they'll listen to it, which is frustrating, but like Always, said, 100%. and it's like, who cares? Like it, it's fixed. Now let's keep moving. Um, and then, then my last question is who would you like to hear us interview next? Um, as you know, I've given you a lot of grief about having more women. <laughs> on. Um, you know, I, Uh, Morgan Sutton, um, has, um, Michelle Sandlin, um, Katie Hazelton, 
I don't want to forget any of the women, but like, it's really, you know, you pick, pick a woman coach out there and you're probably going to, you know, hit the nail on the head. So, um, not to like diss on the men or whatever, but I just think women have a little bit more of an, you know, overall that they can, you know, draw from. Um, we just have a few other, you know, things that we're dealing with most of the time. So, you know, I'm looking for as many perspectives as I can get. Um, but really, I mean, you guys have done a great job. I've enjoyed, you know, seeing the different, you know, um, perspectives looking for athletes by getting coaches, by, you know, allowing me to come on, um, getting Lima shot on, you know, I mean, so, I mean, just continuing to find a different perspective, you know, um, one that you might not think of. So yeah. we had, we had one that was really interesting to me was a, a parent, a parent diver perspective, a parent of a diver perspective, whether they're, you know, like, like you mentioned earlier, it takes a village. Sometimes those parents of the elite level divers, they're running here and there, and then, you know, coming back for child number two and making sure that all of the needs are being taken care of it. I loved that idea of, you know, we, we could, there, you know, as soon as you open up the, uh, the avenues to parents, there are millions and millions yeah. out there, but I, I really did enjoy that. And hopefully at some point we can do something like that. Um, before we go, I just wanted to, to say thank you once again. Um, I had not known you whatsoever before any of this. So that was really enjoyable to just listen to you kind of talk about everything that you're passionate about. And, and I certainly enjoyed myself on this one. Um, before we get out of here, make sure you hit us up on Instagram. We are the diving pod and our Gmail is the diving pod at gmail.com. We still do have those t-shirts and hoodies available at cowingrobards.com. Uh, free shipping, free shipping. If you enter the code dive pod at checkout, that's D I V E P O D at checkout. That gets you free shipping. So feel free to go on there and uh, we're going to hook Mandy up with her free t-shirt, but we'll, uh, we'll chat off air about how we're going to get that to you. So thanks again. Thank you. I enjoyed this. Yes. Thank you.